Hey, kids, you guys can head on back to Children's Church uh, if you like. And hey, if we haven't met, my name is Doug, one of the pastors on staff uh, here at Triumph. We are, um, we're in a series as we begin our new year that we're, we're, we've entitled Resolute. And it's running the race with the end in mind. When the Apostle Paul talks about the Christian life, a couple words that he uses uh, are words like fight and race. Like this is, there's a, there's a competition feel to this or at least an intensity feel to it. Uh, this is the, the verse that we have from 2 Timothy chapter 4. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And then what Paul does is all of that that he talks about for himself, what, what was coming because of the life that he lived, he then turns his attention and thinks about us and he says this, not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. That this same race, this same fight, and the same reward comes to us as well. I'm wondering how many of you are resolution people. Anybody want to admit to being a resolution person? Anybody who makes a re- Anybody 16 days in? Anybody still going strong on any resolutions? If you are, congratulations, right? That's just kind of the way this thing seems to fall. So I'm not a resolution guy. And I think it's because of the whole, I set these lofty goals for the beginning of the year. I get to about noon on January 2nd, and I've already failed every one of them. And so I just throw them away and I say, well, there's always next year. So 365 days later, I begin to think about what life should be like, and I try it again for 18 hours. Anybody else relate with that at all? Right? Resolutions. The idea of setting goals, there's, that's a good thing to be saying, hey, this is where I want to be, and this is where I want to go, and to be attaining and working after them. But as we begin this new year, rather than resolutions, one of the things I want to encourage you to think about, especially if you're not a resolutions person, is what would it be like to live your life resolutely? The word resolute means to be marked by a firm determination. That you're determined about something. And, and when those moments come, when, when we falter and when we fall down uh, on our goals, again, we have a tendency to take those goals and say, well, I guess I just didn't do it, and you throw them to the side. But when you run the race resolutely, what you do is you see those moments when they come and when you fail and when you fall down as moments in which you just pick yourself back up again and you keep running because you are determined in this race. The question we, I, I encourage you to ask, are you living life with a determination or simply drifting? So as we begin our year, what we're going to do under this, this theme of resolute, we began last week as Pastor Jeff kind of came and talked about uh, living resolutely and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ around the world. We're going to talk about being resolute in our care for one another, in our growth in the word of God, in sharing the good news of Jesus, being wise stewards of everything, all the things that God has given us, and today being resolute in worship. 
So as we think about this idea of worship, there's a lot we could talk about. So I'm going to narrow it down to one little small part, which is to talk about this idea of gathered worship as we gather together today and other Sundays and also on Wednesday evenings. And I thought maybe it'd be really good to start with, with, with what worship is not. Worship is not about me. Worship is not all about us. So I would, I would, I would challenge to say that churches in America, many churches in America, probably around the world as well, but here we see it. We've made the gathered worship event of the body of Christ all about us. It's about our preference and it's about what we get out of it. Right? We all have preferences about the music. Right? We all have styles of music that we like more than others, maybe instruments that we like more than others. And as we think about the style, there's even certain songs within that style that we have preferences over. And so we make our worship event about our preferences of the style. Maybe you have preferences as to who preaches and what they preach and how they should preach it. We have our preferences, and so we make our gathered uh, event about our preferences. We also make it about what we get out of it emotionally, right? Like the, we will judge our service today as to whether this was a good worship service on how we feel when we walk out those doors at the end of the service. Man, that song was so good. That spoke to my heart. This was a good day. Or, eh, I guess it was fine. We judge our worship service based on our emotions. We also, and, and, and families with little kids, I just want to talk to you real quick because I had them. They're like this now, but I had them. And what ends up happening is we come and we make our decisions about whether we're going to come to worship about our kids. Because I didn't get anything out of that service anyway because I either spent my entire time back there or going, shh. So I didn't get anything out of the service, so it really wasn't worth going. Okay, if I haven't hit every single one of you with at least part of that yet... Let me take one more shot at it and say this. If you are here today because of your preference or you're here today because of what you're going to get out of the service today, I'm really glad you're here, but you are not here to worship. You are here for you. That is not what we are called to do. We are called to gather and worship God. All right. Anybody ready to throw things at me and or get up and walk out yet? Let's try this. Grab your Bibles. We're going to go to Psalm 100. We're going to look a little bit at what is worship. Why do we do this? thing called worship. And there's gathering together as the body of Christ. So we're going to read the entire five verses of Psalm 100. So here we go. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. 
Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generation. All right, personal confession time. I often will come into worship. I'll often come into a gathering having given no thought to what I'm about to step into and having given no thought to the fact that I am going to come before the God of the universe and worship him. All the things that I said at the beginning, all those things about preference and all those things about uh, getting something out of it, right here first. I don't think about the fact that as I enter into the house of the Lord and gather with his body that I am about to worship God. I'm about to worship the creator of everything. The God who holds it all together. The God who who commands the angels and they listen. The God who defeated Satan. The God whose very name causes the temple to shake. The one who shows on a mountain and the mountain shakes. The one who, when people enter into his presence on their own terms and their own time, drop dead in front of him. The one in whom Moses said, I want to see your face. And God says, <laughs> you can't handle my face. Here's the best I can do. Put your face in that rock right there. I'm going to walk past. And as I walk past, you can turn around and catch the back of my head. And so Moses does it, and as he comes down the mountain, he's literally glowing from being in the presence of God. Everybody's so freaked out, they put a veil over his face because he's glowing. The God who is holy, holy, holy. The God who demonstrated his love by entering into his creation to die at the hands of his creation, to save his creation. The very God who cares about every one of your joys and every one of your sorrows, no matter how big or how small. It's the God who died so that you would not feel the sting of eternal death and the God who rose so that you would have life eternal. We worship God because of who he is. And in response to who he is, all of the earth comes before him. Verse 1 says this, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Both creation and nation come before him. Creation itself worshiping and praising God for who he is. As the one who created them, they respond in worship. Listen to this from Psalm 148. 
Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord for at his command they were created and he established them forever and ever and issued a decree they will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths. Lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountain and all you hills, fruit trees and cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures, flying birds, you get the point. We worship, they worship, why? Let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is exalted and his splendor is above the earth and the heavens. I don't know how a mountain praises God other than just being there but it does. I don't know how the waves praise God other than the crashing sound they make as they hit the shore, but they do. I don't know how a tree other than standing in all of its splendor and its glory season after season worships God, but it does. All the earth called to worship him. All creation and all nation. Psalm 148 goes on to talk about the kings and, and the slaves and everybody coming before him. People coming. We know the day is going to come when, all, when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess who God actually is and they will bow before him. But in the meantime, not only God's people, but those that are yet to be God's people call to worship him for who he is. So who is he? Who is God? Well, that could go a lot of different directions to answer that question. But let's stay in Psalm 100. Verse 5 tells us this. For the Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Who is God? He's good. God is good. It's his very nature. It's, it's who he is to be good. And I think we wrestle with this one. We struggle with this one because we so often blame God for the bad. We'll blame him for all the brokenness. We're going to blame him for the evil in the world. And forget that he's the one who created in perfection and we are the ones who broke it. And that he is working for good and we are not. But we blame him for all of the bad. And so when we say things and we hear things like God is good, it's so hard to reconcile in our minds because of all the bad we've blamed him for. But who is God? He is good. And he is love. In fact, 1 John chapter 4 talks and even says that in verse 16 that God is 
love. And I wish I had time to unpack all that and think through what it means to have the very core of your character and the very core of your essence is love. But that's who he is. Verse five reminds, reminds us also that he is faithful. He has made a, he's made a promise. He has made a covenant and he keeps his promises because that is who he is. All of creation called to worship God because of who he is. And because of what he has done. See, if this is who God is, if these are just a few of the things that we can know about who he is, the only things that he is able to do flow from that character. So if he is good, all he does is good. If he is love, all he does is love. If he is faithful, all he does is in accordance with his faithfulness. That's what he does because that's who he is. This is who God is. So what has he done for you? If we're called to praise him and worship him, we worship him and we praise him because of who he is. That's enough, by the way. If he has never done anything good for you, it is enough to praise him just because of who he is. But it becomes one of those moments, but there's more, right? Because not only is he good and not only is he creator and not only is he holy, he's good to you. He has both created you and called you. Again, staying in Psalm 100, verse 3 tells us this. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. In all of the creation, and we start looking back at that Psalm 148 where he listed all these things that were created by God and all these things that are going to worship him, the mountains and the trees and the, and the sun and the moon. God created all of them. And he created you. So love how the scriptures talk about how God created mankind. In Genesis, we, we read how God spoke and all of these things came into existence. And just showing the power and the majesty of who God is that he can say, let there be light, and there was. Let there be land, and there is. And then it says, but he formed from the dust of the earth man. In intimacy, in creation. And that same intimacy carries forward into some very familiar words for some of us from Psalm 139. Showing the intimacy of how God created uniquely every single one of us. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. 
My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. What has God done? Created you. You are the handiwork of God himself. He has created you and he has called you. God has called you, again, in verse 3, that we are his, we are his people, we are his sheep of his pasture. He has called you. Redeeming your life and placing you into his kingdom. To be a part of his family, to be under his care. God is so good. How do you respond to that? If we stop and we we begin, if if we think about the fact that God is God and all that he has done for us and we... And we stop that as an intellectual exercise of the mind. But realize it's truth and allow the truth to rest in our hearts. How do you respond to that? Other than to worship. So verse 4 of Psalm 100 calls us to him. Right, So we enter through the gates, we draw closer as we move through the courtyard, and we find ourselves right in front of the king, the one that we know by name, because we are his, and he is our shepherd. And we respond in verses 1 and 2 with shouts of joy, result respond with songs of thanksgiving. We rest in his presence and we praise. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness and come before him with joyful songs. Worship. It isn't about me. It's about him. It's about who he is as God and all that he has done for you. May we be people who are resolute. Determined 
in our worship of him. Let's pray.